Hello friends, welcome to Comic Stands, the show where I read a specific comic each week and talk to you about it so that you can be better informed. This is a podcast for new and seasoned readers alike, so sit back and we'll discuss Hulk number one. Hulk number one was released November 24th. The writer is Donnie Cates, the artist is Ryan Otley. Colors are by Frank Martin and letters are by Corey Petit. The solicitation for Hulk number one reads, Immortal No Longer. A brand new creative team delivers a new colossal sized era. The uncontrollable rage of the Hulk has reached an all new level and nobody, including the Avengers, is prepared to handle it. But is it really the Hulk that people should be afraid of? Or is there something missing to this puzzle? Join the superstar creative team of Donny Cates and Ryan Otley as they look to the stars for the next era of Hulk. Now, Donny Cates has been on a really good run lately, some might say incredible, uh, having a lot of groundbreaking runs for Venom, Thor, and if you go a little bit further back, you have comics like Cosmic Ghost Rider under his belt as well. So I feel like a lot of people might pick up this comic just based on the power of Donny Cates himself, which is understandable, and it's honestly good for both parties, right? That means that Donny gets more titles bought, which are under his leadership or under his writing, and the character that he ends up writing for kind of has a Midas touch effect, where whatever he touches is guaranteed a certain amount of sales, at least, just by the power of his name. He's also got stories like Death of the Inhumans and Doctor Strange Damnation under his belt, too, which are a little bit further back and perhaps not as well known nowadays, especially with a lot of people knowing him from things like his current Thor run. But those are good things to look out, too. Another thing to point out is they did mention a superstar team, and Ryan Otley also has some great comics under his belt. For instance, he's the artist who drew Invincible, which is enjoying a lot of fame because of the TV show that's out now, so a lot more eyes are becoming aware of Invincible, which is good. Uh, he also had runs on Spider-Man and Hack Slash, which is a smaller comic that I'm a fan of. Uh, that was one of... When I was first getting into comic books, uh, I got into mainly mainstream but one of my friends at the time showed me Hack Slash, and that was a really fun read, so that was cool. So it is a good and very, very competent team to bring in this new Hulk number one. By the way, I'm sorry for missing last week's episode, but I am back. I am happy to be here, and I hope you're happy to listen. Uh, I enjoy chatting with you all, so thank you so much for coming back and listening to me talk to you. Yeah, I do have a lot of thoughts on this comic book. They're actually more mixed than you might expect, for a little bit of background context, uh, the Hulk run before this, the Immortal Hulk, or just Immortal Hulk, was one of the first comic books that fully brought me back into comic books. I was in a bit of a lull before that. I was into comic books a little bit, but not as much as I was before, and definitely not as much as I am now. But between Immortal Hulk and actually Dawn of X, like House of X and Powers of X, I got fully back into comic books and at some point i will definitely have to review an x comic i don't know which one i'll do but um immortal hulk and what's the whole event called dawn of x brought me back into comic books in a big way so i owe my current level of comic fandom being ignited again to immortal hulk because of that i kind of hold that comic in esteemed regard and this comic, I didn't expect it to be a soft reboot, but it kind of is. And that was interesting to me. It seems like some of the decisions disregard some of the decisions that were made in Immortal Hulk. 
in that sense, I feel like you might actually get more mileage out of this comic if you go into it completely unknowing. But we'll talk about that more in a little bit. So right after this break, we'll be back and we'll discuss the comic book. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Do you ever get angry? Do you ever want to escape to the one place that hasn't been corrupted by capitalism? Space! Well, thanks to Banners Better Builds, you can make your problem your solution. Using Banners Better Builds, you could fracture your own psyche into multiple parts and turn that angry into energy. Terms and conditions may apply. Dr. Bruce Banner is not responsible for any mental, physical, or spiritual harm that may come as a result of Banners Better Builds. That's Banners Better Builds, smashing their way into the future. Alright, welcome back everyone. So, if you're new to Comic Stands, the way that I format these episodes is that I'll start with a spoiler-free discussion and then move on to a discussion that's more in-depth, talking about the comic from page to page, cover to cover. This intro section that we're in right now is more for new readers and people who might be wanting just a quick glance at the comic before actually picking it up. So, if that's you, then sit back, relax, and let's talk about it on a kind of a quick glance. I kind of mentioned it before, but I feel like Donny Cates is enough for someone to have bought it on face value already. So perhaps, you know, you already have it in your possession. And I think if you fall into that party, you won't really be disappointed with this. The writing is good as always. The characters have emotional depth to them. The scenes, whether they be bombastic action scenes or close interpersonal scenes between individuals... They all carry a nice amount of weight, and the story itself flows very well. So, nothing new and exciting there, but that's not a bad thing because we get the quality that you're assuming that you're going to get going into it. The art, in my opinion, is really lovely too. It shows a lot of emotion, even in the large bombastic scenes that I mentioned earlier. There's still enough detail to really have a nice visual feast, but not get lost in everything that's happening. So that's good. There's three double-page spreads throughout this entire comic book, which, in my opinion, is a lot, but none of them seem out of place. They all seem paced well as far as where they land in the comic, and they're all drawn out well, so that works good. The coloring is very good as well. I'll kind of talk about it more when I get into the in-depth portion of this review, but the way that colors are handled is nice, especially in specific scenes to kind of put them in a place in the story, like a literal place. But again, we'll get to that in a minute. What you need to know is that the coloring is solid, good shadows, good highlights, good sense of mood established by those colors. The letters are also good. Uh, as far as readability, so, you know, it's pretty standard. When you get to the big two companies, it's usually pretty straightforward. You're never really going to have a problem with readability. But the other highlight that I could say is that it flows well. When I say that, I mean that I never really had an issue knowing which panel to go to, even though some of the pages do have a little bit of experimentation with where the panels are, what shape the panels are. So that was good. Letters were placed well, and of course were readable. At its base, this is a really fun comic. I think I was just kind of put off personally by knowing the comic that came before it. And I'll kind of get into that, well, I'll definitely get into that more when I go into the more in-depth discussion. But if you go into this not knowing a lot about the Hulk, not knowing a lot about comic books in general, really, I think you're going to have a good time. 
especially if you're into sci-fi. Something that is not too spoilery is that the previous run of comics, Immortal Hulk, was more in the horror genre, which is another thing that really endeared me to it. I love horror as a genre, and I mean, I know that's not the comic we're talking about, but if you like horror, Immortal Hulk would be a really fun comic to read. This seems like it's more grounded in sci-fi, sci-fi horror, I guess, but much more in sci-fi, which fits a character like Hulk and Bruce Banner, who's, of course, a scientist. So, yeah, I really like this comic. Everything worked well. All the elements came together really well. It's a fun story. It's a part one, of course, so it leaves you wanting more. It leaves you with a nice cliffhanger at the end. It's a moderately quick read. Some parts of it get a little bit bogged down depending on where you are and what your comfort level is with characters outside of Hulk. Uh, and we'll get to that as well in a bit. But overall, it's um, it's pretty good. They do make reference to a number of out-of-comic-book and even out-of-this-current like run-of-comics events. It doesn't fully explain some things, which is a little bit off-putting, but I never felt super confused by it either. It's more like, uh, okay, I guess this is a thing. But if you're not too put off by that, and me personally, I wasn't. I just felt like I should mention it then, you know, maybe keep an eye out for it. Best case scenario, it causes you to go out and read those comic books that it mentions. Worst case scenario, you might just leave feeling a little bit confused, but I think you'll still enjoy the comic. So that being said, once again, I would definitely recommend this comic book to people new to comic books and new to the Hulk in general. I would also recommend this comic to people who are looking for an interesting sci-fi comic. Again, this comic has its roots in sci-fi, which is really fun. I think it's a cool approach. I want to say that I'm not as into sci-fi as I am horror, but I'm still picking up on a lot of tropes, and I think it's pretty cool. So I would recommend this comic to people who like an anti-hero. That's definitely what we have here. And it's interesting to see where the, where the main focus is going to be, who's officially announced as quote-unquote the protag. Uh, we're early days in this comic, of course, number one, so... I mean, we have a character that we follow, but yeah, we'll get into it. People who like mechs but want something new might like this comic. Depending on what cover you got, <laughs> you might have a little bit of a spoiler to that, but we'll get into it. If you're, an in if you're interested in mechs and giant fights, first of all, giant fights, you'll usually be covered in the Hulk in general, but mechs, maybe pick this up. And people who are a little bit angsty and want that kind of angy energy in their comic book, this one's for you too. All right, so yeah, there's a pretty good fan base that might be into this comic. It runs $4.99, pretty solid. So yeah, I would, I would recommend it. That being said, let's go ahead and jump into the more in-depth discussion of this comic book. If you have the comic book on you, open it up, follow along with me. I'm going to be going from cover to cover. And if you don't have it, then go ahead to your friendly neighborhood comic book store and pick up a copy. And if you just want to hear me discuss it, then, you know, stay right there. I'm going to give you a moment. Pause the podcast now. All right, welcome back, everyone. Now, we're going to start at the very beginning. There are tons of comic book covers attributed to this comic, and pretty much all of them are good. I have a number of them myself. I bought a decent amount of them, uh, with the exception of any, like, comic book store exclusive ones or con exclusive ones, of course. But they're all really good. The one that caught my eye was, of course, the standard one originally. 
which has Bruce Banner on a rooftop and the Hulk seemingly smashing the ground in this larger-than-life godlike size in front of him. To me, it looked like a mushroom cloud. I don't know if it's supposed to look like a mushroom cloud or it's just supposed to be a big plume of explosion, but I kind of like the idea that it was almost a mushroom cloud. To give you an idea, though, and maybe to where my own interests lie in the whole Bruce Banner-Hulk dichotomy, my eye always goes to Banner in front because he's got his arms open like he's going to embrace this destruction that Hulk is bringing about. So that, again, that might say more about who I'm interested in this dichotomy than anything else. But still, it's a good, it's a good cover. And at the bottom of the cover, they also have a tagline, which is what also initially piqued my interest, which is, what if the Hulk exists to protect us from Banner? This is a really fun idea. I like it. I like when they mess with a dichotomy like that, be it something like Batman and Bruce Wayne, Superman and Clark Kent, etc., etc., the the man and the man behind the mask, in this case, the mask being a giant irradiated monster. But, you know, it's an interesting thing to look at, and I'm intrigued by how they're going to continue on with this. And we see a lot of it in the comic book, of course, but we're going to get to that in a moment. We open on the Hulk punching something that we later find out is a giant steel door. As the camera zooms out a little bit, we see that it has a number of punches on it, so he's been here for a pretty long time. As Hulk is punching, we hear an unattributed narrator talking about a theory that they have about the Hulk, saying that it terrifies them to their very core. Quote, we have always thought of the Hulk as the manifestation of Dr. Banner's trauma that he experienced as a child. Or perhaps his id, his shadow, his fury, his rage. But what if, what if he exists to protect us from Banner? The next few pages show Hulk continuing to punch this iron door. We zoom out a little bit more as his fist is bloody and blood is kind of flying all over his body. And we see that the door is kind of like a monolith standing in a desert landscape. Eagle-eyed viewers right now will also see that there seems to be circuits of some kind at the base of this iron monolithic door. And the door itself absolutely towers over the gigantic hulk. So, you know, we're dealing with big things. When we finally do see the other side of the door, it looks to be either a science lab, a control room, some kind of a big sterile metal room. And we see a screen that reads, Engine engage, ready for launch, as Dr. Banner walks away from the door. Moving forward, we see more scenes with this very red room. Everything looks very clean, again, very metallic, and bathed in this red light. We see Bruce move over to a locker within this room, taking off his lab coats and taking off his glasses. The glasses are interesting, and it's kind of our first hint that this is within Bruce's mind. We don't get confirmation on that until later, but it's kind of an interesting nod to that fact if you're looking at it on a critical level. Soon we see Betty, Bruce's wife, depending on the timeline that we're in at the moment, asking what he's doing. Bruce says that she shouldn't even be there right now, though. Betty says, you know you can't keep him locked in here. And she crosses her arms. And Bruce responds with, it would appear I very much can and shoots at her a steely, cold glance. But he makes reference to an event in El Paso, which I think is a reference to Immortal Hulk. 
The comic really doesn't linger on this. Maybe they're talking about a different and new El Paso event that we're not privy to, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But it made me think and go through the Rolodex of my mind to think about what El Paso incident they're talking about. Something to also make note of is later on, we'll have other references to other things that are happening in the Marvel Universe, and we do get a footnote. So that makes me wonder if this is just a brand new El Paso incident that we will find out about later on. But anyway, moving on. Betty refers to Hulk being quote-unquote just a child, which makes me wonder if we don't have Devil Hulk anymore from the Immortal Hulk, which was kind of a more well-spoken, conniving, scheming Hulk character. I also wonder if Joe Chill is gone, which is another character that came up again in Immortal Hulk, and we're just back to Savage Hulk slash Child Hulk. I'm not really sure if I'm a fan of, but again, I'm, I'm going to give Donnie the benefit of the doubt and see if this gets explained. But it does do a good job of establishing that we are indeed dealing with Child Hulk right now. After this, we see Banner getting angry at Betty, and she just kind of tries to console him, saying that he shouldn't blame himself, it's not his fault. When Betty says that, Bruce just kind of fires back, and finally she says that he's scaring her, and that he doesn't sound like himself. He fires back with, quote, How would you know what I sound like, huh? How would anyone know? I'm only useful to any of you when I'm not here, and I've had enough. This does bring up an interesting point, which I actually didn't think about until midway through the comic, I would say. That we've never really seen Bruce angry as Bruce. You know, whenever Bruce gets angry, he turns into the Hulk. Which, if we take that earlier quote on the cover and the kind of musings of the unnamed narrator into account, it gives the quote of, what if the Hulk exists to protect us from Banner a new weight? So that turns it into... Oh no, you won't like Bruce when he's angry because he turns into Hulk. Into, well, what if Hulk is the last stopping gate before we have to actually experience an angry Bruce? After this, we see Bruce pushing a button and saying engines to 20%. As he does so, almost at the same time you'd imagine, Hulk punches the door once again with even more force seemingly than before. Bruce talks about Hulk manifesting inside of him, saying that it's getting worse and worse, and saying that, quote, one of these days, he's going to come out, and I'm never going to wake up again. Don't you get it, Betty? The Hulk is immortal. I'm not. Another interesting point coming up, we see Bruce kind of grappling with his mortality, which is a theme that we see explored in a few different comic books. You do see the emotion in Bruce's face, not just pure anger, concern, even fear, when he says that he's not immortal. Kudos to the artist for that. Bruce says that he will push the boundaries, and Betty says that it's not going to work, that it's going to blow up in his face. And he finally ends this by saying, Now, get out of my head. Of course, confirming that this is all taking place within Bruce's mind. As he does that, he turns around, and Betty has officially vanished, so she is indeed just either an apparition or a figment of his imagination, because we are indeed in Bruce's head right now. We've yet to see actual Bruce Banner, which I'm curious to see. Uh, spoiler, I guess. We don't actually see the body of Bruce at any point within this comic. So yeah, that'll be interesting when we finally do. I imagine it'll be a good reveal. We see Bruce walk into another room that's flooded with light and sit in what kind of looks like a captain's chair from Star Trek. 
Got a little bit of a panel by him, looking like a um, Starfleet captain. He also recites what seems to be a mantra, and I know I'm quoting this comic a lot, but it is very good writing, so apologies. Bruce says, These waves do not crash on me. They break on me. Because I, I am strong. And he seems to be in front of a window, which later we find out is kind of the visor that Hulk will have on his face, and he's looking out. So he's definitely in, quote-unquote, the captain's seat right now, in the head. I'm assuming seeing what Hulk sees when he looks out there. Jumping scenes randomly to a meeting of the Avengers. I mean, I get why this is here. It gives us narration outside of Bruce and a little bit of backstory. But I'd be lying if I said it didn't take me out a little bit and made me a little bit confused. The Avengers, specifically people like Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, are all talking about what has happened with Bruce. Doctor Strange is actually the one to bring this meeting together, and he says that it's to discuss what happened with Banner. He says, and I quote, If the events of El Paso have well and truly broken Bruce's mind, then I fear we may be out of options. They ask about a death count in El Paso, too many to count, back and forth about that. Iron Man is apparently tracking Bruce, but they don't exactly know what's happening. They keep alluding to something that Bruce did and having no idea how he actually did it. Mind you, at this point, we still haven't really seen Hulk. We don't know what they're talking about. They're just kind of talking concerned tones back and forth between one and the other. They're talking about him having built something and not knowing how he could have built something. Doctor Strange is saying that the magic required to do it is beyond reason. The technology shouldn't be possible. An Omega-level telepath couldn't do what Bruce is doing right now. So it's interesting. I mean, <laughs> Hulk has always been kind of OP, depending on the writer. And it seems like we're getting an interesting look at both Hulk's power and I suppose Bruce's power. Yeah, everyone is really concerned. Everyone is really confused. Finally, we get somewhat of a straight answer from Doctor Strange saying, quote, he's fractured his mind into parts, and later saying, I believe he's turned Hulk into a starship, which is the first time that we see this starship Hulk, if you will, fighting the Hulkbuster armor that Tony is currently fighting him in. Hulk's appearance is interesting. He's got a nice purple top with, with some circuit-looking things on him, a jet booster on his back, this kind of a mechanical helmet, which almost looks like a mechanical mohawk on top, but I'm sure that's just like some kind of a implant to get his mind control in place. Some flashing lights on his biceps, some metal shorts. It, it's a it's a look. I um, don't know how I feel about it, but I'm assuming we'll get more in-depth reasoning for some of this decoration later. And of course, you know, it's part of Hulk fracturing his mind into different parts. Excuse me, Banner fracturing his mind into different parts and uh, making this all possible. We see Hulk just kind of sucker punching the Iron Man armor. The fight continues. Bruce fighting. Well, you know what? I'll just refer to it as Bruce because the Hulk at the moment isn't really in control. It's Bruce in control of Hulk's body. So 
when I say Bruce at this point in time, just assume I mean Hulk, unless I say that he's in the control center. Anyway, Bruce is fighting Iron Man, saying that you've never built an armor that can destroy mine. You know, classic back and forth. Meanwhile, Strange is narrating in the background, and we find out, at least I believe, that the narrator in the beginning was supposed to be Strange. So, it's kind of cool. He seems to be our guide through this transformation, if you will, of Hulk. We have Doctor Strange explain some more things to us. I feel like it is kind of info dumpy, and I did have to reread some of it, but that might just be my brain not working fully sci-fi. I don't know. He explains that he split his psyche into three distinct parts and modified the external frame with tech that was stolen from AIM and somehow surgically implanted it into the Hulk's body. So that armor isn't just armor, and you can kind of see it when you see the close-up and the detail shot of Hulk's body that it is implanted in. You see some tension between the skin and the iron parts. And he said that he's built a mind palace like he's never seen. Mind palace! Very Sherlock. He said that he witnessed it in his astral form, so he apparently tried to get in there, but he says that he was only able to be there for a few seconds before he was cast out. So Bruce is very much in control of this mind palace. It does make me wonder what Betty was doing in there, whether that's another part of Bruce's psyche trying to break free, because goodness knows, well, maybe not, who knows. Uh, I was going to say goodness knows it's not Betty trying to break in with her super psychic powers, but Donny Cates is wild, so I don't know. Doctor Strange says that the Mind Palace is vast, complex, and impenetrable. And the very heart of it, where the Hulk's psyche should be, is Bruce. And we get a glance back at Bruce sitting in his little captain's chair as, quote, a captain astride the bridge of Starship Hulk. Okay, I'll take it. After this, Iron Man shows that he's got contingencies taken care of. He's got a lot of different suits around Hulk that are currently releasing adamantium nanoparticle shrapnel, which is going to bury into Hulk and then reform itself into different things to make him be tethered down into the ground. So he's going full-on tech weapon, full-on Iron Man against Hulk. And it does seem to be working. He releases a lot of words as well as a bunch of technology, which basically amounts to Hulk being ripped from the inside out by adamantium bonds. I don't want to say chains because they're very thick enough to hold Hulk in place. I had to kind of do a double take on the comic a little bit because earlier Strange mentioned that his psyche was broken into three parts. And I don't know if the first part is supposed to be Bruce and the second part maybe the body because that's not really a psyche part, but now he says, which brings me to the third element in this new starship mind palace, which I don't know if I just missed the second part or it just wasn't clearly labeled. I'm still kind of confused about to this day, but I'll just read the quote because it does a better job telling it than I would. Which brings me to the third element in this new starship mind palace, because as we all know, to make the Hulk's external body strong, the Hulk's psyche must stay angry, which is why Bruce has caged it, placed it in what he calls the engine room, and with a push of his throttle, he controls the Hulk's rage. 
During this, we see Banner reach out his arm and this kind of control panel manifests from, I think the ground, there's some action lines that infer that it's coming out from the ground. It could just be manifesting from thin air. I mean, it's Banner's mind, so, you know. And he pushes another lever all the way down and we see a line that says stage one as Hulk is hit with a beam and turns around to see infinite armies. So we see a bunch of tanks, we see a bunch of airplanes all coming at Hulk. This causes his body, Hulk's body, to be superpowered, I suppose, as inferred by Strange himself earlier. So he gets a wave of strength, and we see in full gory detail, Hulk rip his arms out of this adamantium binding that it was in, completely tearing his arm in half. We see the bone sticking out, we see the blood pouring out. We hear the crack and the bones still in the adamantium as Iron Man <laughs> looks on in terror. I said it wasn't super horror, but I mean, that's kind of body horror for sure. And Bruce fully running towards, I guess, jumping and leaping towards Iron Man. Tony tries to talk him down for a moment before Hulk fully just sucker punches him again with his remaining arm. He says, I'm done explaining myself to anyone and continues to rip some of the parts off from this Hulkbuster, break off the arms, and smash the head in. Stark says, how did you know that I wasn't in that suit? And Bruce responds with, I didn't, thanks for the heads up. So yeah, it's a, uh, it's a more ruthless Bruce than ever before. And I guess, I guess in that aspect, you have to rethink about what we're seeing here. We're so used to writing this off as, oh wow, Hulk has really gone mad. You know, he's really super angry right now. But again, right now, in very definitive terms, we're reminded slash told that no, this is all Bruce in control right now. And while Tony is being destroyed, we have another flashback to Hulk that's trapped somewhere in Bruce's mind palace, destroying these armies that were seemingly generated when Bruce flipped that switch or pulled that lever. Tony continues to hold his ground. We find out that he's protecting something in particular. We don't know what until, you know, the next page. Tony says, you're not getting through while I'm still standing. And Bruce, of course, says, good to know and continues to punch him even further. And we have continual flashbacks to Hulk beating up the armies, juxtaposed with Bruce beating up Iron Man. Tony says, please don't do this. And he says, and I quote, you know, this might shock you, Tony, but I actually didn't come here for a fight. I'm here for this. What did you call it? Project Ark, right? We have our first reference to something that happened in another comic book, something that specifically happened, thanks to this little attribute on the bottom, in the event King in Black which the Venom run is coming off of Donny Cates' Venom run, so he would be familiar with the events more than anyone else. Well, that's good. You know, he's bringing that other universe into this universe. But what we see in front of us is this giant, enormous, bigger than that door was before, I'm assuming multiple skyscrapers tall, Iron Man suit, or, you know, this iron suit, which has what looks to be some kind of a gate, some kind of a wormhole within its chest. Hulk explains that it's actually a celestial that was piloted during the Null attack. Again, referencing King in Black. 
He says it uses latent celestial energies to create a wormhole to a pocket dimension that he could evacuate citizens to in case there's another event-level attack. He says it's good work. So, you know, again, we have Banner's mind explaining and praising the scientific pursuits of Tony. We then see that Bruce is looking to go through this wormhole. For what reason? We really don't know yet. Tony mentions that it's not safe, the math isn't finished, he doesn't know where he's going to go, to which Bruce responds, quote, Isn't that what you all want, Tony? To be rid of me? Tony, showing a surprising amount of compassion for a man that almost killed him a few times, says, Bruce, not like this. Listen to me. You could die in there. You have no idea where it'll take you. To which Bruce, of course, responds, and neither will you. Goodbye, Tony. And he pushes a little button that says send transmission. After this, we see Bruce run through the gate Again, in Hulk's body, of course, so I guess he could take whatever pressures and strains that the gate has in store for him. Being transported somewhere we don't see where, and kind of monologuing to himself. I know this was a very quote-heavy episode, but I feel like I should read this last bit, this last monologue by Bruce, which actually ends the comic. Again, the scenes that are happening while I'm reading this are Hulk running through this gate, Bruce Hulk, running through this gate, and eventually at the end we see the door with either fire or light or something coming out of it, the door that Hulk is behind in Bruce's mind palace, and Hulk screaming from behind the door. This is the monologue that ends the comic. This is also the transmission, I suppose, that Banner sent when he clicked the send transmission button, so that's important too. If you could hear this message, that I am already gone. I am broadcasting this not to explain myself, but as a warning. I'm leaving not because I hate you, not because I'm scared of you. I'm leaving because none of you will know how to deal with what I am going to become. You all have your little plans, your armored suits, your rocket ships, all of your clever ideas on how to deal with my monster should his actions not prove to be in your best interests. But... You aren't dealing with him anymore. You're dealing with me. And I promise, you have no plan for me. Because I am not controlled by my rage anymore. I am fueled by it. We see Bruce jump through this barrier into the unknown. Tony doesn't know where he's going to go. Part of me wants to believe that Bruce has an idea where it's going to go. Because he has apparently been buffed intellect-wise um, to pull off things that Omega-level mutants and top scientists and top magicians couldn't do. So we'll see what's going on next issue, I suppose. In the back of the comic, there's no direct solicitation for the next issue, but just so you know, I did look up what the solicitation is for the next issue just online, and it reads as follows. Bruce Banner finally has total control with the Hulk locked away. But with a tight grip on his plans, Bruce forgot one thing. Variables can happen at any time. And this one? Even Bruce couldn't have imagined. The craziness continues as the Hulk hurtles further into space, but he is not alone out there. So that's something. I am curious to see where this goes. I guess we're going full-on... Hulk in space. 
I don't know. I could look into the future and see what the further solicitations show, but that's not fully what I'm into. I want to take things one at a time. So yeah, I like the comic book overall. It's a fun story. It's an interesting story. We're definitely getting into sci-fi. If we go full Bruce in space territory, we're getting really sci-fi. A lot of people are going into space right now. Anyway, it's, uh, it's good. I did mention a couple bones that I had to pick with it. I am not sure where this lands in terms of Immortal Hulk. Like I said earlier, I think it might be a soft reboot, and they just never fully mentioned it. The only reason I keep saying it's a soft reboot too, by the way, not only because we seemingly have no trace of Devil Hulk or Joe Chill slash Grey Hulk, and I suppose Bruce could have just either gotten rid of those personas or have them locked away somewhere else within Starship Hulk and we'll find them later. I trust Donny Cates enough to think that he wouldn't just totally get rid of these characters. Just curious where they are. Maybe I'm just wanting too much too early. But the bigger thing that I have a little bit of a bone to pick with is the fact that at the end of Immortal Hulk, Bruce seemed genuinely happy. Bruce seemed pretty okay with where he is in life. He kind of snuck away from the Avengers and he was looking into the sunshine and I forget the exact quote, but it was a parallel to the quote in the very beginning of Immortal Hulk, where he looked in the mirror and asked if he's a man or a monster. And he said, like, well, what do you think? And in the very first issue, it was kind of ominous because Hulk was looking back at him. But in the last issue, he was looking into the sun and it seemed like a nice, you know, maybe Bruce is going to be OK part. And now we have Bruce literally fracturing his own mind into pieces so that he can control Hulk's body. So I want to know what happened between point A and point B. Maybe there will be a point between point A and point B. Maybe that's El Paso. I don't know. But it was it was kind of a jarring shift in tone from one to the other. I don't know how to feel about that. Again, I trust Donny Cates to make this good so we'll see how it goes. And that is it for this issue of Comic Stands. Thank you so much for listening. It was my pleasure to talk to you about Hulk number one. If you enjoyed that, I would definitely recommend following the comic. Seems interesting. If this is your bag as far as the genre and the overall tone as I was talking about it, go check it out. And otherwise, I will see you back next week for another issue of Comic Stands. Take care, everyone.